Hey, hey, good morning, guys. If you're new here, my name's Mark. I'm the lead pastor. We're excited to have you guys uh, here this morning uh, for the launch of our brand new series, How to Ruin Your Life in 30 Days. And so uh, I'm really excited about this series. I'm going to tell you uh, all about it in just a second. But Dana just uh, uh, spot, put the spotlight on Sarah for everything that Sarah uh, does and just how God uses her. And I wanted to, I wanted to honor a volunteer today. I wanted to, to thank somebody that, uh, that serves, that goes above and beyond. And a lot of people uh, know this individual. Maybe, uh, maybe you know this person. They do a lot behind the scenes. You've actually seen them on stage here at least one time uh, sharing and preaching. Uh, but man, they just do so, so much. You know, they, uh, you know, so many people I hear from every week uh, talk about uh, being able to listen to what we do here and to watch it online. And, uh, and just to watch it online on YouTube, on the app, on our website, man, God just uses that video every single week uh, in a lot of people's lives. I mean, this, what happens, uh, you know, one of the things that amazes me is that God does way more here in our church than what we see happen in this room every single week. Did you know that? That God is always doing more than what you see. And so God uses this individual really to make that happen because what this individual does is they, they serve a lot on the, on the technical side of things, putting videos together, uh, things like that, uh, logos and graphics and, and just, and just uh, man, the face of a lot, what a lot of people see and, and how a lot of people interact with our church. This person works every single week, literally every week to do a great, great job. And I am talking about uh, one of my one of friends that I've had for years before I started this church, man. I'm just so excited to have him here every single week. I love him like a brother. Uh, Brian Reisner, there on the camera. Bubba, right there. Now, come here. Now, I know, I, I know that Bubba is at the camera and he can't come up here. So I told Dana to stay up here and take that to him. But, man, I love Bubba. I love him like a brother. He's a great guy. And I just thank God for him. Um, the logos that you're seeing, what you just watched, he did that. Uh, if you watch the sermon on YouTube, Bubba does that. Uh, man, he just does so much. And he was up here preaching, and God's, uh, man, got a calling on Bubba's life. He's got a passion to, to preach and to share God's word, to take God's word internationally uh, with missions. And so, man, God just does a lot in his life. And so we're just honored to have him. And uh, Bubba, I love you, buddy. Love you to death, buddy. Love you. Love you. And uh, don't mess with Bubba tonight, though. WrestleMania's on. He's got plans, okay? If you want to tell Bubba how much you appreciate him, you've got to do it before 8 o'clock tonight because he's checking out after that WrestleMania. Huh? 5 o'clock. You got, oh, it just got smaller. 5 o'clock is when the WrestleMania begins, all right? So you've got to let him know quick, all right? So, hey, I want to pray for us uh, today as we're launching into this brand new series, and I'm just praying that God uses this uh, series in your life, to be perfectly honest with you. I really am praying that God just does some really practical things, that, that, uh, that God just uses this in your life, challenges you, builds our church, uh, and makes us more like Jesus. That's what we want at the end of the day. And so I'm going to pray, and uh, why don't you just pray and say, God, God, I don't know what's going to happen today, but use it in my life. God, I don't even know what he's going to talk about today. I don't know what we're about to hear, but God, will you uh, just speak to me? Because here's what I believe. I believe if God didn't have anything for you here today, you just wouldn't be here. I really believe it's that simple. But I believe that you're here because I think that God's got something for you. So why don't you just pray that right now as I'm praying, God, whatever you've got for me, uh, I want to hear it. I want to get it. I want to receive it because I believe you've got something for me today. All right, so let's pray right now. Father, we just come to you in the strong name of Jesus, and we ask that, God, you would be glorified and honored by what's, what we talk about here. God, as we start this series, we're going to talk about some really challenging things, God. We're going to really try to dig underneath the surface 
uh, in our lives, uh, God, because because we don't want to get to the end of our life and waste it. We don't we don't want to see our lives be a series of what could have been. God, we don't want to miss the purpose that you've got for us. And so, God, I pray that beginning today and every week of this series over the next four weeks, God, that you would use this to build our love for you, our faith. God, that we would put some guardrails even up in our lives to keep us from things that might want to take us out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, How many of you, have, have you ever known somebody that just seemed to have a lot of potential, a lot of things going for them, the world at their fingertips, and then all of a sudden, they, they make a decision or a series of small decisions, and then everything that was in front of them crumbled away. You ever seen that? Maybe somebody that you knew uh, privately, or maybe it was somebody that you knew in the public eye. I've got, I've got an example. Uh, how many of you know who that guy is right there? It's Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong won the Tour de France seven consecutive times. Nobody's ever done that. Seven times in a row. I mean, when Lance Armstrong was at the top of the cycling world, he wasn't just at the top of the cycling world. He was at the top of sports in general. I mean, nobody could come close to Lance Armstrong and what he, uh, what he accomplished. I mean, he won the Tour de France seven times in a row. He had an extremely lucrative endorsement deal with Nike. He was the head of the Livestrong organization. Uh, Lance Armstrong uh, had cancer, started the Livestrong organization. Nike picked that up. A lot of you had some of the Livestrong gear. I did, yellow and black, and I mean, gold and black, and yeah, you, 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 you're familiar with that. I mean, I mean, the world was his, and then it all crumbled down. Because Lance Armstrong, uh, Lance Armstrong began to be accused of, of using, uh, using performance-enhancing drugs. He was accused of doping, uh, to win the Tour de France, denied it for years, and then finally, you guys know what happened. I'm not telling you anything shocking. It was found out that he was doping. That, that, that the entire time, Lance Armstrong was using performance-enhancing drugs. And within weeks, all seven titles from the Tour de France, gone. They stripped them all away from him. His endorsement deal with Nike, Gone. They wanted nothing to do with him. Being the head of the Livestrong organization, a worldwide brand to fight cancer, he was the head of that organization, removed from that position. I mean, here was a guy who had it all, and in a few weeks, it was all gone because of a few bad decisions. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Just a couple of days ago, I just saw this on Friday, just a couple of days ago, Sports Illustrated put out the cover for the latest issue that's out right now. On the cover is Tiger Woods, and in big bold letters, you can see it there. What happened? What happened to Tiger Woods? Remember when Tiger Woods won every single thing? Remember when Tiger Woods won every golf tournament? I mean, everything he touched turned to gold. I mean, remember when Tiger Woods was the man? Remember when you didn't like golf, but you liked Tiger Woods golf, right? Remember that? And what happened to Tiger Woods? Sports Illustrated, that's the question. What happened? I actually read that article, and here's what they say happened. You know what happened. Several years ago on Thanksgiving, Tiger Woods chased him out. Tiger Woods' ex-wife chased him out of the house with a golf club, beat his car because she had just discovered that Tiger Woods was unfaithful to her with numerous women. Sports Illustrated, in this issue, they actually call it the demarcation line in Tiger Woods' life, that from that moment forward, you can see the downfall of Tiger Woods. You know, I could, I could stand up here all day long, and I could show you, but I'm not going to. That's the only one I've got. I could show you pictures of, of preachers 
ministry leaders who, who had it all. They seemed to be making a massive difference. Their churches were huge, and all of a sudden they made a decision, or it was revealed that they had been making decisions. And in moments, in days, the ministry that they had spent years building, it crumbled. Could, could show you stories of, of business leaders who cheated, who, who, who did some things in the back room, and they lost their company, they lost their empire. Many went to prison. I could show you example after example of somebody who had it all and then ruined their life. And I'll tell you why I'm doing this, I'll tell you why I'm doing this series, to be honest. I, I was reading through the Bible last year, and I got to this place where this uh, sermon series came from, actually last year, but I wanted to preach it uh, here recently because, so I'll just be honest with you, in the past couple of months, I've had more, I've had more friends close to me in the ministry lose their ministry. Many lose their families because of one or a series of bad decisions. And listen, 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 I love this church. I love you guys, and I don't want to see that happen to you, and I don't want to see it happen to me. Because here's what I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that if you, if you just let, let what we're going to talk about over the next three or four weeks, if you let these things have free reign in your life, they will ruin your life, okay? And, and listen, they'll ruin your life in a lot less than 30 days. Some of these things can ruin your life in a matter of minutes, a matter of hours. It might take longer than 30 days. But I promise you, if you give the things we're going to talk about starting today and all through this series permission slip in your life to do whatever they want, they will absolutely ruin your life. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the life of a man in the Old Testament named Samson. Okay, now even if you don't have a church background, you've probably heard of Samson, right? Long hair, looks like Fabio, right? Um, you, you've probably heard of Samson. You're familiar with that guy. And, and, and here's, what's, here's what you're going to discover today. Samson had a God-given uh, destiny, had a God-given purpose. The world was at his fingertips and then through a series of bad decisions, lost it all. And so I want us to see that today and because, because I'm praying that maybe for some of you this would be a series where God calls you out. Maybe you're going down a bad road and God's, God uses this series to do a U-turn in your life and man saves you from a lot of heartache. And I'm praying for the rest of us, maybe some of you here, that God uses this series to say, you know what, I need to put some barriers, I need to build some things in my life because I don't want to experience that. I want to get real close to Jesus, far away from that, all right? That's what we're going to do. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open your Bible to Judges. Judges, that's the sixth book in the Bible, okay? So Old Testament, the book of Judges, chapter 13. The story of Samson's in the book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16. And over the next four weeks, we're going to go through this, enti- this entire man's life, the ministry, uh, the, the, the time period of Samson. His birth is in Judges 13. So it's real easy to find if you're using your phone, right? You can just kind of open up your Bible app, scroll to the book of Judges. But if you actually got a copy of the Bible, uh, go ahead, a copy of scriptures with you. Judges chapter 13. Judges chapter 13 is where we're going to be today. Well, we're going to actually look look at several chapters, but I want us to start in Judges 13, the birth of Samson. I want to read the first five verses, okay? First five verses, Judges 13, verses 1 through 5, and it says this, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of, Zo- of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. 
And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. Watch verse 5. Verse 5 is huge. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. See, so what's happening in the book of Judges is that Israel has sinned. I mean, that's clear in the first verse that we read. And, and because of their sin, the consequence of that sin is that God gave Israel up to a group of people known as the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were Israel's, one of, rather, Israel's deepest and greatest enemies. I mean, Israel hated the Philistines. Philistine hated, Philistines hated the Israelites. And, and if, you, if you're not familiar with the Bible... You've probably at least heard of the story of David and Goliath. Shake your head if you've heard that story, right? You've heard of the story, David and Goliath. Well, Goliath was a Philistine. So the same tribe, same group of people. Philistines, bad guys. Israel, God's people, those are the good guys. And so God comes to a group of, God comes to two people, a husband and a wife, who up to this point had not been able to have children. And, and, and God sends an angel to this couple and tells them that you are going to give birth to a boy. His name is going to be Samson. And God gives them this massive purpose for the son that they're going to have. Let me read verse 5 again. Look at it. For behold, you shall, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. Now, a Nazarite is simply a person who sets themselves apart for God. In the Old Testament, a Nazarite would have been somebody who made the decision to look at their life and say, you know what, my life is set apart for the use of God. And usually when people made that decision, it was only for a brief period of time because it was a really strict lifestyle. But here, this angel is telling Samson's parents, no, this isn't for a period of time. This is going to be for Samson's whole life. For his entire life, he will be separated unto God for God's purpose. And a Nazarite had three vows that they had to make. They had to make three vows. The first vow was that they would never cut their hair. The second vow was that they they would never touch anything dead. And the third is they would never drink alcohol. And so Samson is born. Judges 13 depicts the story of how how Samson is born. And you can just imagine, I mean, they had wanted kids, and now all of a sudden they have this son And before he was born, an angel tells them what their little boy is going to do with his life. So this mom and dad probably told Samson, listen, son, God's got a purpose for you. God's going to use you to do great things. That's why you're a Nazarite. God's got his hand on your life. You're going to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And somewhere along the way, Samson took a wrong turn. Because by the time we get to Judges 14, so you can go ahead and turn, to, turn the page to Judges 14, Samson's a young man. We don't get a lot of details about his childhood, but Samson's a young man in Judges 14. And by this point, he has taken a wrong turn. Let's read and watch what happens. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Now remember, the Philistines and Israel are what? Enemies. They hate each other. God actually told Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 7, never marry a Philistine. Samson knew that. Let's keep reading. 
But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives and among all the people that you must go and take a wife for the uncircumcised Philistine? But Samson said to his father, Watch, get her for me. She is right in whose eyes? My eyes. I don't care if she's right in God's eyes. I don't care if she's right in your eyes. She is right in my eyes. I want her. I don't care what God says. Verse 4, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. I'm going to talk about this next week, but just so you're not confused today, when it says that this was from the Lord, it doesn't mean that God approved of Samson's sins. We're going to discover next week God can use somebody in spite of them, not because of them. And you don't want God to use you in spite of you. Trust me, all right? That's next week. Verse 5, then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came towards him roaring. So here's how strong Samson was. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. He just killed a lion with his bare hands, didn't tell anybody. Man, if I did that, it'd be all over Instagram. Right? Holy cow. Verse 7, then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. There it is again. Now watch verse 8. After some days, he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion and honey. Samson scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave some of them, and they ate, which only proves if your kids give you something to eat, never eat it. You don't know where they got that. But he did not tell them that he'd scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. Remember, a Nazarite had to make three vows. First one was they would never cut their hair. What was the second one? Anybody remember? Never touch anything dead. What did he just do? He just broke that vow. And he knew that he broke that vow. He knew that he broke that vow, but he didn't care. Let's keep going. Verse 10. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. Samson's about to marry this forbidden woman. He's going to have a bachelor party. And in Hebrew there, in verse 10, when it says a feast, the author of the book of Judges wants you and I to know that the alcohol is going to flow freely at this party. Okay? What was the third vow of the Nazarites? They would never drink alcohol. Samson knew that, and he didn't care. Let's keep reading. <laughs> As soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions. They brought 30 people to his bachelor party to be with him. Samson said to them, this is one of the weirdest pieces of Scripture in the Bible. And Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you can't tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, well, then tell us your riddle. Verse 14, and he said to them, out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. So Samson takes touching that lion and makes a riddle out of it. But here's what you need to see. It's that Samson has already broken two of the three Nazarite vows, and he's already engaged and about to marry a forbidden woman. I mean, he has turned his back on God, and what is Samson doing? Playing games. See, Samson, everything is falling apart for this man. Everything is falling apart for Samson right now. And when you look at him, maybe from the outward, the people, outward appearance, the people at the bachelor party, maybe they couldn't see a lot. But here's what you need to know. Things always fall apart inside before they fall apart outside, don't they? Don't they? And the thing that took Samson down 
is pride. The thing that took Samson down is pride. See, nobody sets out to ruin their life, but it happens all the time, doesn't it? Happens all the time with a teenager who tries to hide this deep, dark secret from their mom and their, and their dad, and they think nobody will ever find them. The CEO who cheats, and then they lose their company. Nobody sets out to ruin their life, but it happens every day. And it starts in you and me the same way it started in Samson, pride. What is pride? Pride is when you put yourself and your achievements front and center. Pride is, pride, pride is when you're hungry. Pride Pride is when you want it to be all about you, everybody to talk about you, everybody to think about you. The world revolves around you. That's pride. I'm going to lift up me. I'm going to lift up my achievements, what I've done. Pride, we're going to see in a couple of weeks. Pride is when God does something in your life, but you take credit for it. And here's one of the things you can guarantee about pride. Look at this verse on the screen here, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit, it's another way to say pride, a haughty spirit before a, before a fall. Pride goes before destruction every time. Every time it does. Every time. Pride either leads to a fall and a ruined life in this life or the next life. It always does. And so here's what I want to see today really quickly. How can you know if you're headed for a fall? How can you know if on the inside you are headed towards destruction? How can you know if pride has such a place in your life that it is about to cause everything you've built to crumble and you're about to fall? I want you to see three warning signs that pride may be about to take you out today, okay? If you're taking notes on the app, you're taking notes, you're writing these things down, you might want to write these down so you can look at them later. I want you to see three, three signs pride could be taking you towards a fall. Here's the first sign that pride's going to take you down. When we begin to believe pride's lies. When we start to believe pride's lies, pride is about to take us down. When Samson says, I don't care if this Philistine woman is right to God, she's right to me. She's right in my eyes. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, Samson started to believe pride's lies. See, pride will lie to you. Did you know that? Pride is so subtle, it's so deceptive that pride will lie to you. And pride will lie to you in several different ways. Pride will lie to you and tell you that the rules don't apply to you. The rules don't apply to me. Consequences happen for other people, but not me. I, I'm above the law. No, nothing can touch me. I, the rules don't apply to me. And usually the reason we, that somebody starts to believe the rules don't apply to them is because they've also bought the second lie that pride will tell them, I'm special. I'm special. I'm special, so the rules don't apply to me. Now, I'm special? That's hard to detect because you've been told you're special from the moment you was born, right? I mean, we live in a culture where you get a trophy for putting your pants on and everybody tells you you're a snowflake, right? Right? You're special. And we start to buy that, right? I'm special. Don't you know who's dad, who's my, who my dad is? Don't you know who I'm related to? When I walk into a room and people find out my last name, they set up straighter. I get more attention. I'm special. I'm the boss. I'm the CEO. If you look at the org chart, I'm at the top. The rules don't apply to me. Don't you know who I am? Have you heard people talk this way? I have. Uh, hey, in Christian circles, it goes like this. It goes like this. Hey, I'm called. I'm anointed. 
And listen, if anybody has to tell you over and over they're anointed, they're not. They're not. Right? Here's one, I deserve it. I deserve it. Well, I'm not getting this need met at home. Well, I work hard. Well, I deserve this. And what happens when you buy this one, you begin to justify things you would never let anybody else justify. Or here's this one. If pride can't get you on that one, it'll just get you, I'm better. I'm better. Better than what? Better than you. I'm better than you. Right? This is everywhere, isn't it? I mean, I mean, you watch the news. This is the whole political landscape, isn't it? My candidate is better than your candidate. In fact, you support that guy, you're stupid. Right? Democrats are better than Republicans, and Republicans are better than Democrats, and independents are better than everybody. This is all over the church. Did you know that? This is all over churches. My church is better than your church. My denomination is better than your denomination. My group is better than your group. And, and we put a spiritual spin on it too, right? We've got the Holy Spirit. They don't. We're spiritual. They're not. So we'll see somebody that worships God in a way that we don't worship God. And, and we'll think, you know what? They don't worship God like me. They're not worshiping at all. They're not spiritual. I don't even know if they're saved. I smell something burning. I think it's you. Right? I'm better. And, and, and what we need to realize is that God makes people differently, so different people worship God in different ways. You might not worship God the way that I do, and I might not worship God the way that you do, but at the end of the day, if we're both saved and the Spirit of God is in us, we're both worshiping the same God. But here's what Bride says. Bride says, I'm better. Hey, test yourself on this. When you hear about somebody that made a decision that wrecks their life, how do you first respond? What do you say? What an idiot. I would never do that. Peter said he would never deny Jesus, and 24 hours later, he did it three times. Our response ought to be, but for the grace of God, go I. That's our response. See, you know you're headed for a fall when you begin to believe pride's lies. But secondly, you know you're headed for a fall, and you need to do a U-turn when you think your private life is separate from your public life. When you think your private life is separate from your public life. Somewhere along the way, Samson said, you know what? I'm a Nazarite. I'm special. I'm going to save Israel. It doesn't matter who I marry. It doesn't matter if I drink. It doesn't matter what I touch. It doesn't matter if I cut my... Listen, who I am behind closed doors has nothing to do with who I am on stage. And that is always wrong. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, a janitor, a lawyer, a teacher, a stay-at-home mom, or a middle middle school student. Who you are privately fuels who you are publicly. All day, every day. I love this verse. I love this verse from Proverbs 10, 9. Whoever walks in integrity. Everybody say integrity. Integrity. Walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. You know what integrity is? Integrity is when your private life and your public life, they're consistent. Not perfect, but consistent. You show me somebody that God uses in a great way. I mean, consistently, long over decades. And the, and, the, and, the, and the crazy thing, the scary thing is you can fake it for a little bit. I mean, it might look like God's using somebody maybe behind the scenes. They're, they're making bad decisions. But you show me somebody like a Billy Graham. Okay? Everybody knows that name. 
who God has used consistently over and over and over and over to make a difference. You show me somebody that God uses in a, in a mighty way publicly, I'll show you somebody that walks with God privately. You want God to use you in your school? You want God to use you publicly? Then you need to walk with God when nobody is watching. That's what you need to do. You don't need to get a million Twitter followers, and you don't need to build a big church. If you want God to use you, the first thing you need to do is you need to get on your knees before God when nobody knows you've done it. That's what you need to do. Why? Because who you are privately determines who you are publicly. Last thing, number three, we're done. Man, you know, you know, you know you're heading for a fall when you begin to live in secret. I'm living in secret. See, Samson, underneath the surface, just shows this tendency to let some really dark things live in his life. And we've all got sin in our lives. I mean, nobody's perfect, but I'm talking about living in secret. I'm talking about holding on to deliberate things, holding on to things. And here's the crazy thing. When you begin to live in secret, you know what you got to do? You got to make more secrets. And then you got to make more secrets. And then you got to make more secrets. And then it can just become exhausting. And I have talked to so many people, and here's what they think. I've had people say this to me. Mark, nobody knows what I'm doing. Well, listen, the one person who ultimately matters has known the whole time. God knows what you're doing. That's why the book of James says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, the opposite of pride is is humility. And what you and I need to do today is we need to humble ourselves before God. You and I, we need to humble ourselves before God. Say, Mark, how do I humble, humble myself before God? It's simple. Here's how. You come clean. That's how. The way that you humble yourself before God is you come clean before God. I love what James chapter uh, 4 verses 8 through 10 says. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What's this imagery? Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There in verse 8, he says, cleanse your hands. Some of your Bible translations might even say this. Wash your hands. Just get it off you. And the reason he says wash your hands is because so often what we can do is we can hold on to things that kill us, don't we? We can hold on to things that we think it's okay that we are holding on to them, but in reality, it is sucking the life out of me. And so pride will tell you, hey, listen, it's okay to hang on to that anger and that bitterness. Don't you remember what they did to you? And who cares what that anger and bitterness is doing to your heart? You hang on. And Jesus is telling you, no, you open your hands and you come clean. Come clean. Or you, you hang on to that inappropriate relationship at work or that, at, at school or, or even at church, God forbid. You hang on to that inappropriate relationship because you're not getting that need met at home. And listen, you need to get that need met if you're going to be a satisfied human being. And Jesus Christ is telling you today, man, you need to open up your hands and wash them and get it off you and just come clean. 
Or Jesus is telling somebody, well, hey, listen, I come to church every Sunday and I don't really have any passion for God. I don't really, really have anything like love for God in my heart. But you know what? I'm saved probably. I'm going to heaven. I'm going through the motions. No, listen, Jesus died so that you can have a relationship with him where you are zealous for him, man, where you are fired up for him, where you are consumed with him. And he wants you to open up your hands today and say, you know what, God? I need you. I want you today. I want more of you today. See, that thing that you are holding on to that is killing you, it did kill Jesus. It killed him. Not because it overwhelmed him, but because he loved you. He loved you so much, he went to the cross, came back from the dead, so that today you can open your hands and say, God, I am coming clean. See, Summit, today is not a day to hold on. It's a day to come clean. And maybe coming clean today means that God, right now, today, has pinpointed by the Holy Spirit some things in your life. Hey, listen, you need to call that sin, man. You need to call that sin and not play around with it, not, make, not justify it, not make excuses. Let's call it what it is, and let's come clean today. Maybe today, that, maybe today God is telling you, you need him in your life for the very first time. You need to give your life to Jesus. You need to start a relationship with him I don't know what God is telling to this crowd, but here's what I know. It's not a day to hold on today. Today's a day to let go and to come clean. And so Tim is going to come back out. He's going to play something. We're going to turn the lights down. And this is our time of response. And listen, listen, listen. listen. Whoa, whoa, stop, 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 stop. This is usually the time where everybody packs up and gets the luggage ready so we can go. And, and I, I know, I know that if you left right now, you'd beat the rush and you'd be the first one to Applebee's. But can you, can you not do that today? Can you just not do that today, please? Please. Because today, today maybe God didn't speak to you at all. But he might be telling the person right next to you, you need to come clean. So let's just let God have his way here for the next two or three minutes. Because today, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come clean today before God. And, 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 and you don't have to confess anything to me. I'm not your priest or anything like that. I'm just the pastor and I just preach a sermon. But listen, you have the same access to God that I do. And so today, if God has convicted you of something very specific in your life, I am telling you, I know it is hard. I know it is scary. And I know you might not know what to do next. But I am telling you, there is freedom in, in coming clean letting it go, and listen, holding on is only going to kill you. Do not do it. Do not ruin your life for a few moments of wasted pleasure. Don't do it. If Jesus has told you you need to come clean today about something, agree with him and say, God, I'm coming clean today. I'm coming clean with that relationship. I'm coming clean with that attitude. I'm coming clean with that thought, that thought. Mark, I've just been thinking about it. I haven't done anything yet. Yeah, but listen, everything you do starts with a thought. This is where it starts. Deal with it here before it gets here. You know what I'm saying? Before it gets to your hands, before it gets to action, deal with it here. Today, if you need Jesus Christ to save you, come clean.
come clean and ask him to save you. Ask him to come into your life and he will come in and you will not be perfect, but you will be changed forever. You will be. Let's pray. Jesus, right now, right now, right now, I just want to pause and ask that you would move in every single heart here tonight, today rather, and if, if there are people here, God, we need to come clean, that we would come clean, that we would confess attitude, that we would confess our thoughts, that we would confess our words. Maybe it's something that we've been doing that nobody knows about, looking at that nobody knows about. Maybe it's something we've already got the plan for it. Pray that today we cancel that plan. I pray that today, Jesus, we would come clean. and Pride would not lead us to destruction today. There is a way out. And Jesus, you are that way out. We run to you today. We want to look to you right now. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you're here today and you would say, you know what, Mark, I need to come clean about something in my life today. Would you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Just raise it. That's all I'm going to ask you to do today is raise your hand if that's you. Mark, there is something I need to come clean about. I want you to pray for me. There's a hand right there. Anyone else? There's another hand right there. Anyone else? I need to come clean about something in my life. Raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand if that's you. There's a hand right there. God bless you. Here's what I do know. I do know that pride, pride can cause us to get satisfied with where we're at in our relationship with Jesus, settle for the status quo, and we miss what he wants to do. So right now, right now, I don't know where your relationship with God is if you're a believer today, but right now, would you just pray? Say, Jesus, I need more of you. Jesus, I want more of you. I'm going to humble myself. I want more of you. I don't want the status quo. I want you. Maybe you're here today and you need Jesus to save you. You want to be saved today. If you're here today and you are not a Christian, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I just invite you to join me in this prayer right now. These are not magic words, but I just invite you to pray this along with me between you and God. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I give my life to you today. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. Thank you for saving me. I love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. No one is looking around, no. Heads are up, seeing what everybody else is doing. Did you just ask God to save you today? If today you prayed to give your life to Jesus Christ for the first time, I'm going to count to three, and as soon as I say three, just put your hand in the air to say, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and I just want to pray for you today. One, two, three. Raise your hand today. If you need God in your life, you want to be saved, you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, just put your hand high in the air. And now here's what I want everybody to do. I want everybody to look at me. I want everybody to look at me if you would. Now when you walked in today, we gave you a connection card. Would you just take that connection card out right now? Just every, every single person, even if you come every week and you got a card, just go ahead and grab that card right now, okay? And here's what I want us to do. I want everybody in the room, if you would, to take that card. I want you to turn it over on the back. And listen, we give you every week, we give you an opportunity where you can write prayer concerns, comments, anything at all. And listen, you need to know every Tuesday... Every Tuesday, our staff team, we get together and we pray over what you wrote down here. 
today. Listen, if God spoke to you during this sermon, I would love for you to write down what God did in your life today on the back of that card so that we can pray for you. If on the back of that card today, on the back of the card, we gave you a chance, if you gave your life to Christ, if today you got saved, check that box that says, I gave my life to Christ. You want to make a decision, you need to be baptized, check it on the back of that box right now. But listen, I want everybody in the room, if you would, just to take that card and say, you know what, this is what God is doing in my life. It might be something unrelated to the message, but just take a second. A lot of people are doing that right now. Just take a second and put down on that card how we can pray for you. If you have a need, we'd love to know about that need today so that we can try and serve you as best as we can, you and your family. Just let us know how we can help you today. And here in just a moment, as you leave, there's going to be volunteers all along the exits. You can give those, put those in the baskets. If today you're here for the first or second time, we've got a free gift for everybody that's new out there at the welcome table, the table in the lobby to your right. We'd love to meet you today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And Jesus sees the darkest corner of every heart in this room. We, we don't have anything hidden from you right now. We do not. And you love us in spite of everything that you see. You, you love us. You want a relationship with us. God, you will never give up on us. And so, God, I thank you that Jesus is our hope today, that pride doesn't get the last word over our lives, that Jesus does, that, God, sin and pride, God, they might be leading us to destruction, but with Jesus, there is always a way out. And so, God, we just want to run to him. And, God, as we leave here this morning, God, we start our week. God, wherever this week takes us, help us to know that at every point, Jesus, we are loved and we need you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done in this time. We all say amen. Let's all say amen. Jesus, thank you for today. Let's give God praise, man. Hey, listen, you guys are dismissed. If you're new here, first, second time guests, we'd love to meet you at the uh, table in the lobby to the right. Love you guys. You're dismissed. Bring somebody back with you next week.